Hello, Mel. Oh my God, that was good because I was going to go hello just to like oh, get it done. And I did it. <laughs> well, that was such a clean beginning. We're going to be clean. Well, We're it was till I started like analysing it. Yeah. We'll always analyse everything that we do. All the time. Because it's what we do. We're insecure. Um, welcome back, P.S. Josie just got Thank back from you. Hawaii. Yes, I was in Hawaii and I saw my favourite murder yep. live. You want to hear everything. Which, I mean, they've been to Australia, so it's not like no one listening has had the opportunity oh, to no. see them. I'm but not I special. Haven't. But it was amazing. It was really funny. Like really good. I was a bit worried it wouldn't be and it would be like, because sometimes when you listen to it and it's no one's laughing, but everyone was laughing. Yeah. It was really good. They were like lays. Amazing. We gave them lays. It was good. And then I just chilled out in Hawaii. But I have to say, this is very Aussie Mystery Hour. Yeah. I thought the Airbnb was haunted. <gasps> oh, my God. Why? <laughs> well, I don't know. It was very windy and rainy. There was kind of a semi-hurricane when okay. I was there. <laughs> great, great time to go to Hawaii. <laughs> great tropical vacation. <laughs> and so it was kind of dark. And you know, when it's windy, it's just creepy. There's noises yeah, and, like, yeah. whistling and Ooh, banging no, outside. Yeah. And I just felt like... I don't know, I felt a bit of a weird energy when I went. It's a beautiful house, like renovated, really nice. And then like the second morning I was there, I put, I'd taken my jewellery off the night before yeah. and put it on the coffee table. And then I put my phone down on the coffee table and I went to look out the window to see how the weather was. It was bad. And then when I turned around, one of my rings was on top of my phone. What? And I'm like, why would I have put... Wait, like, so, you, so it came off your finger? No, they were on the table oh. and then I put my phone next, like on the table and then I went to look out the window and then when I went to get my phone, one of the rings was sitting on top of my phone screen. Oh, what? And I'm like, I didn't put it there. Like, you why definitely would I do didn't? that? No, I didn't do it. What, did it have any significance? Would it be like a haunted great-grandmother? No, well, it's my mum's. Okay, well, your mum's still alive yeah. so she can't haunt her own ring no. when she's alive unless she's like one of those like warg things like in um <laughs> like in game of thrones and she yes. can like embody the ring and just like he's part of it, like walking around <laughs> walking on top of my phone she's like just gonna go check on my daughter in hawaii <laughs> um no mum's not a warg and i didn't put the ring on my phone i'm mm. sure of it so That's then i then scary. i was creeped out and then that day we were watching like a law and order svu marathon because it was a hurricane outside. Yes. What else are you supposed to do? Great. And then there was the lights fucking flickered. Oh, no. <laughs> like, to my friend Bree, this place is fucking haunted. Then the lights completely went out and oh, everything God. like rebooted. And okay. she's like, it's the storm. Like, There's a storm yeah. happening outside. But anyway, we went to a local crystal shop. In yeah. this tiny little town, they had a fucking crystal shop. Amazing. And, and of course, sage. you found it as of well. Of course, I found it. <laughs> and then we bought sage and I re- went around the house. Like, <laughs> you fucking like <laughs> fleeing that yeah. burning shit everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, there were no wandering rings. There were no blackouts after that. Mm, but also the storm had passed. Also so the storm passed. That too. But so, yeah, it was definitely the sage. Yeah, I think it was haunted. I do also feel like whenever I'm in... A house like an Airbnb, mm. and it's not. I don't know. It's so weird because I don't know the history of my own fucking house. Yeah. Like I don't know. I've <laughs> been like my. I live with my parents at the moment, and <laughs> cool, cool story, Mel. <laughs> and and like I don't know the history of that house. Like I've been living there on and off since I was like ten. Yeah. I didn't ask when I was ten. Excuse me. Should we just find out the history of this house before we move in? <laughs> but I do remember when I was living in a um, share house mm. in Glebe like when I first moved out of home and after we moved out, I looked up the history and it was really fucking old terrace and it had been oh. in existence since like 
the 1800s and like there'd been like a fire there or something oh at some point and I was sort of like someone has definitely died yeah. in that house and like there's just crazy shit that happens in houses yeah. like you know there could be like an abusive relationship like just Anything. bad energy just bad juju or even like the visiting people in the Airbnb could have been really bad people oh my God, and they could totally do like a demonic yeah. sort of culty exactly. sacrifice in the middle so of the I laundry and you wouldn't the know shit out of it and then I felt better but I still was on edge like yeah checking all the doors and windows were locked and yeah it was a bit of a weird neighborhood too yeah just a really small little town yeah not like adds to the creepy yeah it was a bit weird um I'd read this Guardian I think it was the Guardian article uh this week Mm. that was about a woman who Airbnb'd her place out Mm. And it was like a country house. Like she had like a little country house somewhere. Yeah. She Airbnb'd it out. Yeah. And then she went back and like had like drinks with the neighbours to be like, thanks for like, I don't know what they were doing, maybe giving the keys Mm. to the people or whatever. And then she, like all these stories start coming out about crazy people that had stayed there. Like people having sex in their yard and like all this insane stuff. And then her, and then her neighbours just drop oh, someone was murdered in this garage. Like they were having the drinks in the garage. Oh. And then they just tell her that someone got murdered in her house once. And she's like, uh, what? Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I'm, I'm probably botching that story terribly, but I'll, if I find it, mm. I'll put it in the group because it was so good. Like it just kept unraveling. And yeah. I was just like, what the fuck is this poor woman in this house? Yeah, she's like, going to need a lot of sage all to the sort sage. that shit out. Let's go and buy all of it from your local crystal shop. Yes. But aside from haunted places, it was really fun. But I'm back and I've researched and I'm ready to go. She's ready to go. Mm. I haven't had a very exciting week, but I did listen to two really good podcasts. Yes. That I wanted to mention. The first one is called The Fall of the Shah. So, you know... um, Argo, that movie. Mm-hmm. So you know how it's based around like there's all this turmoil in Iran yes, politically, which I forgot what it was all about because <laughs> politics just go over my head. Yeah, but um, that was all based around this like seventies fall of like the Shah. So it was like mm-hmm. a monarchy, and then right. like the Shah, no one liked him because okay. he was like over westernizing the country, right. and then like they all got the shits. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's a really again a really <laughs> botched version History. of the story. History but, the podcast is by BBC World Service and I, it's weird because it's like a reenactment. So oh, at first I was, was like, like acting. Yeah. Like they've got yeah. actors to like. Audible do a few of those. Yeah. And at first I was like, I don't like this. Yes. But then. It's a bit unnerving. Yeah. It's a bit weird. Did you ever listen to Limetown? No. That was acting too. Yeah. I, but I did listen to, um, oh, what's that other one? And it had like David Schwimmer was involved oh, and yeah. Julia Roberts is in the movie or the TV show. Oh whatever that's called. Homecoming? That's the one. That I got really into as well. Mm. But this is like a real story but done with actors. It's very yeah. strange. Yeah. Um, but it is really good. I Once I got past it, I was like, you have to kind of push through the first mm. episode because they have like um, Jimmy Carter. Is that president? Yes. Once? Yeah. yeah. Jimmy Carter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, Jimmy Carter and his wife are like chatting on the plane. Like oh. before they, it's very weird, but you push yeah. through it all, and like, it actually kind of does make the story kind of puts you in mm. in the context Otherwise of the story. It might be a bit dry, you know, if it was just being told to you. Yeah, and I think I was expecting that, mm. but I kind of love the spice of like the real life mm. vibe of chatting and stuff. So that's really good. Yeah. 
Um, and then I just started one called Thunder Bay, mm-hmm. which is wild. So basically Thunder Bay is this town in Canada. Yes. I've, I've heard of the town. Have you? Yeah. Cause I've never heard of it. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I've heard of it. Okay. Well, this is probably why, okay. because it has this like really high rate of indigenous Canadians. So like, like our indigenous yes, Australians. First Nations. Canadian. Yeah. yeah First Nations. Yeah. Like, I could have just said that. That would have made <laughs> so much more sense what than what I just tried to, to do. Them as um, it has a really high rate of their like murders. Right. And then it's kind of like, look, I've only done one episode. So is this the highway of tears or not I the same place? I don't think so, but it could be. But okay. basically it's like there's this insane level of racism in the town mm-hmm. because um, I think it's that the kids of First Nations mm. families who live outside of the town, so I'm mm-hmm. assuming live on, like, you know, just in remotely, a, a bit more remotely. Yeah. They come to the town to do schooling. Mm. And so, but there's this like crazy racism, but like to the point where like the one story they told in the first episode was of this woman mm. um, who was walking along the street and like this car of youths literally throw a, like a tow bar at her. What the fuck? I know, out of the car and it hits her in the stomach. <gasps> and then she ended up dying six months later from complications <sighs> to do with that, which oh is fucked. God. And then when they were interviewing people in the town, they're mm. like, oh, it's not uncommon for people to throw shit out the car at indigenous people walking oh, along the street. Fine. That's normal. It's what like fucking fuck? normal. And like, obviously not tow bars are not normal, but like yes. rubbish, rubbish, anything. Oh, that's horrible. It's so fucked. And it's just like wild to hear. And yeah. the guy is actually an Indigenous Canadian mm-hmm. who does the podcast. Yeah. And he grew up around Thunder Bay or in Thunder Bay. So mm. he has like a connection right. to it, which is good because I feel like it's better when it needed that. Yeah. yeah. So it's really fucking good. And I'm just started it and I'm oh, excited for all the other amazing. episodes. I've got a friend, yeah. a Canadian friend who works for the First Nations Health yeah. Care, it's not called that. Mm-mm. But her job is to make sure, obviously, First Nations people are getting the health care that they need. And she recently on her Instagram story this weekend went to the most remote community and she had to get there via boat. And she showed on her Instagram story the Google Maps tracking. Like she went in between all these little inlets and islands. Oh, wow. Like it's super remote. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. It's so far away and it's like a kind of terrifying thing that you did. She's like, yeah, and imagine trying to get healthcare there. If yeah, you live there. And I was totally. like, fucking so true. And she took photos of the town. It's just like mountains surrounding it and water. And oh, beautiful. Just like five houses like yeah. in the street, like very tiny yeah. um, place. She was making them working on a video project with the community. So wow, I'm interested to see yeah, for when sure. that's finished. But uh, yeah, that sounds great. I have to tell her about the podcast. Yeah, I, I don't know. Knows. Like, I mean, look, TBCing on how it goes long term because I listened to one episode. Right. Uh, but it sounded really amazing. Like, just in this, like, what the fuck way. Like, yeah. I just, it was the first podcast in ages where I was just sitting there like, what yeah. the fuck? Like, just nuts. I listened to a lot of Case File while I was away. Yeah, you, that's your new My Favourite Murder, right? There was some, like, oh, some crazy fucking cases. Yeah. Like, I was on the plane over there and I was like, I said out loud, like, what the fuck? My friend was like, what are you listening to? I'm like, it was this guy that's wife got murdered and it turned out it was his ex who was a cop. Oh, I hate when they're cops. Yeah. And I hate it. The guy did a, the host, anonymous host, who I have called the C word in the past. Yeah. I apologise because this was a great episode, but the way he like suspended the... Like the facts, like he he 
left some things out and then yeah. like later it was revealed she was a cop. Like he talked about her a lot but he never said she was a cop. And then yeah. at the end they like reinvestigated and it said she was a cop. And I was like, no way. Oh my I God. hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I always hate um, it. Great episode. It was Sherry Rasmussen. Oh, Rasmussen. okay. I feel like I've seen that name before. It's but like not. episode, I think I'm up to like the f- episode 40-ish. Yeah. Late 40s. It's great. I skip a few where I'm not super interested. Yes. He also did yeah. Mr. Cruel. I'm like, I don't want to listen to no. that because I just did it and it'll make me self-conscious about <laughs> all the things I missed. <laughs> I know, right, because they're Peter so Falcone, like in-depth. Like yeah. I kind of skip don't my own know. ones that I've done. <laughs> we'll do it La, so much better. We remembered all the facts yeah. at the end. Um, I listened to the Toy Box Murders of Case File when yeah. I was away and I had to turn it off because it was so fucked yes. up and it really upset me. And like I don't usually get upset but I like yeah. – I think when it's torture, I'm like mm. I can't deal with torture stuff. I that one yet. But, but also the guy that did the Toy Box Murders yeah. – was a park ranger for the national parks nearby. And I just like, can all murderers not have jobs yes. where I trust you <laughs> yeah. unconditionally? It's bad. It, I don't like it's it. It's bad when they're cops. I don't like it when they're cops and they're like and teaching hired and... by the government. Yeah. Like I just trust you. Yeah. You, your, your little, your little suit, your little uniform <laughs> made you seem mm. so trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. That was such an aside. Huge I'm just, aside. Uh, drinking some water here because. Oh, yeah. You're going to tell everyone about it. I've got a new yeah. complex just to add to <laughs> the rest of my complexes. So I, when I'm nervous, get a dry mouth instantly, like straight away. All the saliva leaves my body. <laughs> just <laughs> evaporates like, into the air. Anyway, I won't do the noise too much because I know it'll annoy people. But I, we edit our own podcasts. Mm. And a lot of the time when I edit, I take out my mouth noises because <laughs> I do them a bit because I want to do a good job and I get a bit nervous and... It's not like all the saliva goes. I'd say half for the podcast. I'm semi-nervous. Anyway, I found a review which singles me out. The subject line is, this would be so good. (laughs) And the person's name is, spit out your gum. Oh, my God. So they made an account just to talk shit to you. Yes. This would be so good if the one girl, that's me, would stop making those smacking noises. I gave her a pass in the episode where she said, where she was talking about being sick, assuming oh. it was a cough drop. But she's not sick anymore. Why is she smacking in caps? Is <gasps> it gum? Candy? Just smacking saliva? It's terrible when the story is so interesting, but I can't even get to the end because I start feeling nauseous. Oh. Hearing her making wet smacking noises with her mouth. Just please stop that. <laughs> two out of five. <laughs> two, two. Like you get two stars two for stars. the good content and you lose three no. for the smacking. Also, what so if you were still sick? here and I'm just... <laughs> Well, I was sick for a while when yeah. that happened. Like three episodes, yeah. I made terrible mouth noises because my throat stayed sore for like three weeks. So now I've got this water and I'm sipping. Yeah, because it's hard. Like it's another thing you can control really. Mm. It's just like you. So Fuck off. Just get used to it, dickhead. Um, That's what I say back to stop chewing spit gum. Spit out your gum. I say fuck you. Fuck off. <laughs> um, fuck off then. <laughs> what else do I want to talk about? We've obviously, I feel like we've really calmed down with promoting the group. Mm-hmm. I may as well mention it. Oh, let's I mentioned do a big a bit push. in this story, like I refer to the group. Mm. So our group is the Facebook group, All Aussie Mystery Hour podcast. Go there, request to join. Sometimes we're a bit slow. Sometimes we'll yeah. approve it in five seconds, sometimes three hours. Yeah. We'll approve you though. Yeah. We're very trusting. We used to do it really quickly, but to be honest, yeah. like it's now a bit out of control. Yeah. There were <laughs> 33 all, requests this morning. I know. As with all groups, <laughs> it started out with like, you know, a hundred people yeah. in there and yeah. now it's got like... We're close to 
we're almost nearing, 2,000. We're nearing 4,000. 4,000. Mm-hmm. Why do you think we only had 2,000? No, we're killing it. Anyway. So join. Please come and we talk about yeah. – we put things from the cases like photos and yeah. links, anything we kind of talk about. But also we are literally in always in there. Like we're always we in there. We may be slower at yeah. accepting, but we are permanently yeah. chatting in there. Can I just say I was sad one day recently and I was like, I'm going to go in the group that will cheer me up. And it did. Yeah. Like, so you guys cheer me up and make me happy. There's lots of good chat in there. It's yeah. really good. So that's great. We also have an Instagram account. Yes, we do. At All Aussie Mystery Hour, mm-hmm. all one word, where we share like funny memes yeah. and things from the episodes. Yes. And we make like behind the scenes Insta stories, which I forgot to do today. I know. Fuck. But that's okay. Like, so basically <laughs> what we're saying is there is a sort of loose, very loose. commitment to the yeah. social media outlets, but the yeah. Facebook group is very alive yes, and well. Yes, it's alive and well because the other users in there keep yeah. it going. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're also appearing at a pedestrian event. We are. We haven't mentioned time, this for a while. Called The Selfish Weekend. So it's all about self-care and the different ways people indulge in that so for us it's obviously true crime and mysteries and for me a nice cheese plate yes that's for me those two things and a good good natural wine because I'm a wanker yeah nice wine Mm -hmm. um so we'll be doing a panel with a psychologist talking about mental health and self-care and true crime and how those things relate and then we'll be doing some kind of live elements of the podcast yeah as well so come along the tickets if you just go to pedestrian TV. You'll literally you'll fi- see You'll it. find. It's everywhere. Yeah. I think it might be forward slash Selfish Weekend. It could be. But honestly, if but you I just went know. to Pedestrian. You'll see it. Search Selfish Weekend. Yeah. There's also an it. announcement in the group. If you go to announcements, I announced it a while ago. And the oh, link yeah. is there to buy tickets. So come along, see us. And there's other things happening. There's so many other things happening that weekend. So many other There's things. like free tattoos, real yeah. ones, not those dumb airbrush ones. You've yeah. got a big day out. Not those. <laughs> Real ones. There's like cocktails There's like, with sassy names. There's, it's not like necessarily like a yoga about like yeah. being healthy. No, it's not, it like, it's not like hectic wellness. It's not it's like, like a wellness fun, weekend. proper actual yeah, self-care. Like sassy. Zesty. Zesty very self-care zesty. weekend. Yeah. So they're my kind of announcements. Do you have yeah. anything to add? Well, we have a Twitter, which you didn't mention oh, because we literally we haven't done anything on there. Don't do it because mm. so both Josie and I are not really tweet people I think Mm-mm. I only tweet when I want people's attention yeah so like but I don't have any followers really so no neither I think what I don't like about Twitter is I I'm like you where we need like validation from yeah. other people and it was just like I'd tweet something get one like yeah and I'm like this isn't I need it's not enough multiple likes yes that's why I go to Instagram yes. Facebook where it's more of my friends are I just wasn't getting the attention that I craved and, and that I deserve. I know. And also I've never thought I, I'm not funny in a nice, neat little box, <laughs> concise way. Yes. Like all my funny stories yeah. are, take about five minutes to tell. Yes. Which our reviewers have yeah. flagged with us. We just talk we don't shit care. and that makes <laughs> us funny. Yes. So all the people on Twitter are like... 130 in like, characters. In like a haiku, they've managed to be like hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, how did you do that? And so, yeah, I think we I work just... with people who are very up with Twitter. Yes, they one are. One of our tweeters. workmates had the most retweeted Australian tweet last year. Ben. Oh, the gun violence one. Yeah. yeah. So we're just not those people. If Ben was a co host of this podcast, maybe Twitter would be on fire. It would be going off. It would be on fire. 
on Twitter. Maybe we can hire him to <laughs> be our, <laughs> be our, our like, Twitter tweet person. guy. The tweet guy. Our Stephen of Twitter. Yeah. Um, so what are you telling me about today, Josie? Okay. I actually forgot. Right. So I'm like coming in blind. Well, I'm telling you about the flight of the Cessna. <gasps> That's right. VHMDX. Yes. I'm into um, it. So I need to read out some credits because I got a lot of info from a few really good articles. So there's an daily tel- two Daily Telegraph articles, mm-hmm. a long read from 2016 and a shorter one from 2015, both by Neil Keane. Mm-hmm. Both great. Thanks, Neil. There's a Sydney Morning Herald article from 2004 with no byline. Oh, what? There's no, and it's fucking amazing. It's, oh. I got some great things from that. So I tried. I looked. I even like put the first sentence in Google to see if it came oh, up elsewhere. Oh, you're such an angel. Didn't. So no byline. I think because it's kind of old, like 15 years old. Yeah. Maybe it's like an archived. Yeah, those archived ones are really And maybe the person left and like all their bylines were taken off. Or, Ooh, I don't know. Maybe they're bad person. Maybe they're bad. I need to know. Mystery. <laughs> I also read an investigation report by the Australian Transport Safety Bureau. Oh, that sounds horribly boring. Yes. I mean, once again, I'm completely out of my depth here. <laughs> yeah, plain, plain facts. <laughs> so I'll refer to that as ATSB report because I can't be bothered saying yeah. Australian Transport Safety Bureau. I also read a report on the incident from vhmdx.com.au, a website dedicated to this plane. Amazing. Which was researched and written by Glenn Strakalge. I cannot pronounce that name. S-T-R-K-A-L-J. I don't know. Strakalge. Strakalge. And that's from 2015. So they're my credits um, for this because I needed a lot of fucking help because I know nothing about planes. I know. And this is the second plane it's related. the second one. Um, you just love a plane I love a plane. Mystery. Um, so for those of you who haven't listened to my season one episode about Frederick Valentich. It's a great episode. I was completely out of my depth. Did it like third episode. <laughs> just, I'm just going to delve into this here. Just dove into it's this. It's fascinating. Um, not so much my episode, but the case. I thought your episode was great. It's a great episode. Everyone go listen Everyone to it. Everyone go listen. It's great. There's aliens involved. Yeah. Definitely. It's very spicy. So this is kind of maybe less spicy, okay. but still very interesting. So it's about this plane, which is a Cessna 210M Centurion. I oh, don't that know means what that means. so much to me. I have no idea. <laughs> it had the registration of VHMDX. Can I tell you what I think it looks like? I imagined it sort of being like cute. Isn't there like a plane mm. to cartoon? Yes. And it's like Thomas the Tank Engine, but it's a plane yes. and it's called like Busby or something or like. That's what it looks like. Busby? Okay. So yeah, it's like a little cute yeah. red plane with eyes and a mouth. Okay. Yes. Eyes and a mouth and it's blue and white. Yeah. And it's fucking tiny. I like, imagined it was red, but okay. I it's hate flying. Mm-hmm. This would have just been horrendous to be in because it's so tiny. It, you know, you feel every bit of wind. And yeah. Not, not, no. No. Absolutely Hard pass not. on that. So it took off from Proserpine Airport in Queensland mm-hmm. on Sunday, August the 9th, 1981, mm-hmm. and it was headed for Bankstown Airport, which is in Sydney's west. Yeah. Um, it stopped briefly to refuel at Coolangatta Airport in Queensland before continuing on south. So the pilot was 52-year-old Michael Hutchins, according to this Daily Telegraph article. He was a former Air Force flight navigator who had... 3,400 hours of flying experience and 4,400 hours as a navigator under his belt. So he's quite experienced? Yes. Yeah. That seems like a lot of hours. He also seems like a mature man. Yes. That knows what he's, he's doing. 52, like he knows his way around a plane. Yeah. Um, the plane had been chartered by four friends who'd been on a trip to the Sundays. They'd taken a yacht, like to deliver it to the Sundays. I have to say... 
it's weirding me out because there's a Patanella connection I was just there. about to say, like, <laughs> wait, are these two connected? Is this the same Patanella people? But that's like five years later, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. They're not connected at all, but it's just that weird thing. of Like a weird time-space continuum yes, thing. Of like maybe yachts, Sundays. Yes. But the Patanella never made it to the Sundays. Yeah. That was the whole story. So... It was just interesting. It's interesting little aside. Interesting little aside. So there were four friends that were the passengers. There was Ken Price, who was 54. He was also a New South Wales water police inspector. Um, and his mates, Noel Wildash, who was 40, Rhett Bosler, 33, and Philip Pembroke, 43. I couldn't find any details of like what they did for a mm. quid. It was kind of all about Ken being the, the water police inspector. It was quite, you know decorated and well-respected. Yeah. So it's a tiny, tiny fucking plane, single engine. I don't know what that means. Neither. I'm sure the Qantas Not flight I was engines. on had a lot more engines yep. than that. Um, I've written here, imagine the tiniest and scariest plane you've ever been on. <laughs> Chances are it's smaller. <laughs> I remember being on this. So I hate the plane. I hate it. I was on a plane once. I've been to Hawaii a million times. This was one of my other trips and I went between islands yes yes i've done that before yeah so these inter-island flights are always a bit smaller but this was like i think because we we're going from a weird really dinky little airport yeah. it was a really dinky little plane and the, there was one flight attendant and she, she he i think it was a guy yeah. and he was a thousand and five years old yeah he was so old and he was just i was terrified because you could feel everything julian was just reading a book and i was like clutching him and basically turned religious and started praying for like <laughs> you've decided it's all over to spare my life and yeah. no one else was reacting yeah. everyone was everyone's like there. a chiller in like your life six people on the plane it was tiny and so reading about this i'm just like i can't cope with how fucking small the cessna was because it was probably like a third of the size of the one i was on oh that's like i when we went to Greece last year, because my mm. mum's Greek, so we went over for her 60th and whatever, mm. um, we went on a little plane mm. between two islands and it goes up and it was really hot. Mm. And we were all sort of like, it's very hot in here and the aircon hasn't uh-huh. gone on, you know, it's like fucking middle of summer. And then the plane literally had to turn around and go back oh because no. it was faulty. No. Because I mean, like just the aircon. Oh so it was God, like, we were all sort of like, just fling us into the sun, let us burn alive. We just want to get to the next <laughs> island. Like I'm tired. <laughs> we were just, my whole family was just like, but can't we just suffer for like 45 minutes? Oh my God. <laughs> I wouldn't have. I would have bloody swum there instead. I know. But anyway, yes. So, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about with those little planes. I hate flying. Like, I am just really scared of flying. I broke one of my crystals. I was clutching it so hard on the way back. Because there was mild turbulence. I was (laughs) clutching Bree's hand, like, had the crystals and, like... She was just like, do whatever you need. Her hand's like broken. She's like, it's okay if I lose all bone structure in my hand. whatever you need, I got you. I hate it. I hate flying. So... According to this Daily Telly article, the trip from Proserpine to Bankstown is a relatively easy trip that Hutchins would have been totally fine doing, being a very experienced man. So it's just down the east coast of Australia. There's only a slight complication near my hood, mm-hmm. Williamtown, which is near Newcastle. There's a RAF base there. So there's uh, right. controlled military airspace. Yeah. So you either need clearance to fly through it or you can just detour inland yep. and go around it. Um, but Hutchins opted to do the detour and not wait for clearance. Yep. Um, so that's when he was at Coolangatta, he like submitted a flight plan with all those um, details. There's a briefing office there. So he was told the conditions were clear. Um, I'm not meteorological Josie, so I'm just going to quote <laughs> the VHMDX 
cloud.com.au report by Glenn Strakouge here. <laughs> so cloud was forecast and reported as being limited to the western mountain tops. Turbulence was forecast. My fucking nightmare. Glenn didn't say that. That was Josie. <laughs> And reported over the eastern sections of mountain tops and coast. This was due to these areas being downwind of the flow, disturbed by the north-south oriented Great oh, Dividing Range. So the Great Dividing Range is fucking a huge mountain range. Yes, that spans from Queensland. It's in down New South Wales. Victoria is it like Maybe. the whole thing? It's like the one of the longest mountain ranges in the world. Yeah, it's just I very long. <laughs> so it kind of just it disturbs the airflow because yeah. it's like juts out into the space. And the wind goes and then it's yes. like, oop, Oops. goes up. Yep. I don't know, maybe. Or down. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know, but Glenn knows. So Glenn does know. I just read what he said. So according to the ATSB report, Hutchins' flight plan indicated he intended to track along the coast to Taree, then inland via Craven, Singleton and Mount McQuaid in order to avoid that military airspace. The report noted that the plane wasn't approved to fly in icing conditions, which I had to look up. Icing is when the ice builds up on the plane's wings and it affects the aerodynamic capabilities. Right. So, like, if it got if it was quite cold, like if you went yes. up too high or something. Yes, right. or, like, near a mountain where, ah, yes. Ah, okay. So it didn't have suitable airframe de-icing equipment. So if ice went on the wings, there was no way to get it off. Whereas, yeah. like, a Qantas plane... Has little machine yeah, things that do something and who knows what they do, but it's good. Yeah, so he wasn't approved to fly that high or anything like that. So all the reports say the flight continued without event from Coolangatta to Taree. Mm-hmm. At that point, at Taree, Hutchins radioed in to the Sydney Flight Service Centre, telling them that he was cruising at 8,000 feet and estimated he'd be passing Singleton, which is a town in the Hunter Valley, mm-hmm. at 19.30 hours which is 7.30 p.m. Yes. for people who aren't in the army and don't talk like that. I literally <laughs> went briefly out with an army guy who really? talked in Did army. He say he was gonna... He'd be like, so I'll pick you up at, at 19.30 hours. <laughs> it was like, what? And I'd literally sit there for a minute and like do that, like that mm. woman in the meme with the like map. Taking 12 away maps. from it. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> you take 12 away, but I'm so don't bad at Don't talk maths. like that, army like, people. It's 19 weird. 19 minus 12? Just say 7.30 p.m. Just we can all work it out. Oh, like okay? you're not going to pick me up at 7.30 in the morning for a date. Oh, we don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Hutchins spoke like that because he was flying a plane and he had to. Um, so during the call, the person he was speaking to suggested they – go through the military area Mm -hmm. so that they'd have a more direct um, route to Sydney. Hutchins agreed and flight service and Sydney air traffic control began to coordinate the clearance to allow the aircraft to continue through the military airspace. But according to the ATSB report, the clearance was delayed because there was some uncertainty regarding the amount of cloud and general weather conditions to the south of that area. Mm -hmm. So there like eight minutes passed Hutchins couldn't be bothered waiting. He radioed to say he's just going to do his detour instead, go inland, um, veering to follow his original planned route past Craven and Singleton. As he was passing Craven, which I had to, I looked it up on the map, nowhere. I'm what? like, does Craven exist? Then I like did this deep dive. It's tiny, tiny, tiny. Oh. It's not even really, okay, maybe there's people from Craven listening, but I don't I think really it's even a it. town. Like it's just a road. <laughs> And they have to zoom right into Google Maps, like right in it. Yeah. says, Craven. <laughs> <laughs> I love those towns. Um, but it's just south of Gloucester, which is a more well-known town. 
and it's on the western edge of the Bar- Barrington Tops National Park. Or maybe it's on the eastern edge. I feel like I it's wrote on the an wrong edge thing. In that it's on the edge is. of the Barrington Tops National yeah. Park, which is a mountainous area. So he radioed then to say that the plane was experiencing, and I quote his call, considerable turbulence now and quite a lot of downdraft. Like at this point, I just want to vomit because I hate turbulence. Yeah. And I don't know what downdraft is. I don't know what, how turbulence even Sounds happens. Shit. It's all fucked. I just, it really the scares me. The wind is me. fucked. It super scares me. Whenever I'm on a plane and there's turbulence, I suddenly remember, hey, I'm hurtling through the air in this huge mm-hmm. thing filled with people. This must be so heavy. How are we in the air? Oh, my God. Clutches crystals. Yes. Like, I just... I have to forget that I'm in a plane or I will just freak out. I know because I always think like there's only like a couple of metres from my feet to the sky. Mm-hmm. I'm always just very mm-hmm. aware that I'm in a metal tube in the sky. I don't like it. No. don't like flying. Also, how do they stay up there? I don't, I don't know. Nothing about planes is normal. Nothing. I hate it all. My high school boyfriend was going to study aerospace engineering at uni. I guess that's where they figure that shit out, right? Uh, you'd hope so. <laughs> yes. But, you know. But also, I don't know, are they all just talking mumbo-jumbo? Yeah. It's not scientifically valid and it just happens and they're sort of like, let's just keep going let's with this. Let's just keep going until all the planes fall out of the sky. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll worry about it. Um, so five minutes later, so at this point it was 7.24pm. Yeah. I just did that in our hours because fuck 19.24. Yeah, no more of that army talk. Um, he called again to report that he'd flown into cloud. At this point, he requested clearance to fly up to 10,000 feet and he told flight service that two of the key instruments in the plane had failed. Oh, the artificial okay. horizon, which helps pilots tell if the plane is flying level because mm-hmm. at night and stuff, you're just like, I don't yeah. know. Who knows what's happening up um, there? And the direction indicator, which is basically the compass saying you're facing north, you're facing south. Okay, that seems Both like of them a concern. Failed. Yes. So it just seems maybe like something you want to know. Frederick Valentich... They talked about he, yes. he had might have had that thing where you think the horizon's somewhere else and you actually fly towards the yes. ground. Yes. It's not good. Yeah. Basically these things failing, just very bad. So with the failure of these instruments and obviously bad visibility because it was dark, there were clouds, <laughs> strong winds, Hutchins was basically flying blind at this point. According to the ATSB report, search and rescue procedures were initiated and at 7.28pm the Cessna was located by radar about 40 kilometres northwest of the planned course. So he'd been, right, so he started going northwest yeah. in confusion. Yes. Um, so Hutchins was told uh, where his position was and at that point he said that he was having difficulty climbing to um, 8,000 feet. While the plane was no longer in cloud, Hutchins said that a fair amount of ice had started to oh accumulate God. on the plane's wings. And remember I said flight. that they weren't yeah. approved to fly in ice because they couldn't deal with it. So at 7.36pm, Hutchins radioed in to say that he was struggling to maintain control of the plane, which was, in his words, bobbing up and down like a yo-yo. And at 7.37, he told the operator that his backup compass, so he did have a backup. Yeah was quote-unquote swinging around like blazers. Oh, God. So there's actually audio of this call. Yeah. And Did you listen to it? Yes. <gasps> He's very Aussie. <laughs> like it's oh, very, okay. Like it's very Aussie sound. Even in the face of like the scariest moment of his life, he sounds very, well, swinging around like blazers. <laughs> um, flaming, like flaming galah. I'll put a link to the audio in the group. 
Um, so this guy's basically Alf from Home and Away is what you're He's telling me. entirely Alf or Russell Coit. Or Russell Coit. Um, so in the SMH article, they speak to a man named Peter Anforth. So he's a former police sergeant, a friend of Ken Price, who was the passenger mm-hmm. that was the water police guy. Mr. Water Police. Mr. Water Police. Uh, so Peter says in the article, he's saying that his compass is swirling round and round and bouncing, that he couldn't depend upon it. But the professionals will tell you compasses don't swirl around. It was the plane that was going round and round. <gasps> it was in a spiral. Holy shit. And he wasn't aware of it. No. And Sounds this is like possibly because of the horizon yes. confuses. And it's called okay. a death spiral or something really grim like That's that. That's terrifying. I mentioned it in the Frederick Valentich thing. So Hutchins radioed in again and said, Mike Delta X-ray, we're having plenty of strife up here. We've got plenty of... And then the call cuts off. The operators then told Hutchins to make sure he maintained a minimum altitude of 6,000 feet as he was flying near the Barrington Tops, which is an area smack in the middle of a mountain range. But Hutchins reported that he was still struggling to gain altitude. In fact, he started to lose it at an alarming pace. He dropped from 7,500 feet to 6,500 feet in one minute. Jesus Christ. So 1,000 feet he dropped. Yeah, fuck, that's terrifying. At 7.39pm, Hutchins made a frantic radio call saying, Mike Delta X-ray, 5,000, meaning 5,000 feet. And they told him to go to 6,000 as the minimum and he was at 5. Yeah. The call cuts out at this point. And despite several attempts by air traffic control to radio VHMDX, all they heard was static. That call was the last transmission received from the Cessna. That always freaks me out, the last call to something that went missing. So he was really frantic at that point. He'd sounded kind of worried (laughs) before that, but he was, you can hear it. Shit was going down. Yeah. Yeah. So an air and land search was immediately launched around the area believed to be the potential crash site, but it was disbanded after 10 days when no trace of the plane was found. In fact, nearly 38 years later, there's still no trace of the Cessna. What? Not the fuck? A wing, not a piece of metal, not a body. What? Nothing. They haven't found one piece of it. And there's been major searches over the years, including one in 2013 that involved over 150 personnel. There's also a bushwalkers group that searches the terrain every year. So oh, my like God, every year. Hundreds oh, of people are out people there. people that, like, know the people Some as well. of them do. But they just think, well, we're here anyway, bushwalking. Yeah. There's like rescue teams that still go out. They, they've wow. covered a lot of ground, but it's the search area has been changed. Like a lot of experts have gone, well, if he was flying at this speed and they've mm. analysed the calls and, and where he might have been and tried to triangulate, I guess, where it could have been, mm. that hasn't worked. Like there's a map, I'll put it in the group, of all the areas that have been searched and there's still so much more. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's I so vast. immediately go, okay, so Patanella, I understand how that didn't get found yes. because water is huge and yes. there's all these weird areas it can go and who knows. And it's moving all the time. And yeah, exactly. And like same with Harold Holt's body yes. and all yeah. these things. That's actually because he's a merman. He's, but he swam off aside. with his He swam off with his, his tail. New fin. <laughs> but, but like when it's on land, mm. I'm always like, what? Because it doesn't move. Yeah. It's just there. It's, it's all sitting there, there somewhere. But I guess I mean, that makes sense if there's quite a big space and they don't really know exactly where he was. Yeah. And... So in a Newcastle Herald report, uh, one searcher said, it's like looking for a needle in a haystack, but which haystack? Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Fair. So it's just insane. So to give non-local people a bit of background about the Barrington Tops, it's a national park. It's 200 kilometres north of Sydney in the Hunter region which is near Newcastle, where I'm from. So it's part of the Mount Royal 
range, which is kind of like it's called a spur. It comes off the Great Dividing Range. Okay. So it's part of that huge, long mountain range that's the biggest in Australia. So it's over 76,000 hectares in size. And I think I read that that's like 180,000 acres. Wow. So it's fucking enormous. Yeah. It's rugged. It's a rough terrain. It's like mountains and really dense rainforests. Mm. Um, so to get an idea of what the pilot was facing, the highest peak in the area is Bromlow Top, which rises to a height of 5,203 feet. And his last call said he was flying at 5,000 feet. Oh, so okay. he was flying towards he could any of those lost. peaks. That's the highest. So, And he was heading down. Like, yeah. It's very kind of obvious that they did crash, but they just don't know where. So Peter Anworth, who I quoted before, I didn't want to ruin the end of the story, but yeah. he's actually the leader of the search for the plane. Okay. Um, he was the officer in charge of the police rescue squad in Newcastle at the time. He was a mate of Ken Price, um, but it wasn't until four days into the search that he actually found out Ken was one of the passengers. Oh, my God. So he'd just been told, you know, we've got to go look for this plane, and then he found out his friend oh, was amongst the missing. Devastating. It's really sad. And this article is from 2004, and he's like... I'll never stop looking for him kind of thing. But he was like 75 then, so. Oh, my God, what a good friend. I know. Um, So he said about the Barrington Tops in the SMH article, and I quote, up there it's like time dot, areas where no man has ever set foot, areas exactly the way the good Lord made them. Wow, yeah. So it's like, yeah, because this is the thing I think people forget about Australia is that we have these giant – I mean, look, to be fair, America has this too. Mm. It's like if something happened in Yellowstone, for example – there's the chance that you just wouldn't find it for a really long time. It's a lot of area to cover. A it spans multiple space. states. So it's like, I guess it's that same kind of mm. vibe yeah. of like an area that just gets more and more remote. Yeah. And, and so, it's not like there's handy hiking trails everywhere. Like yeah. people can't even get through this. There's this kind of vine called lawyer vine that is apparently you can't even swing a machete to like is get there? through it because it's Jesus. so thick and dense so yeah. if it the forest hates us is what somewhere in there the issue is yeah there's there's kind of no way yeah. no one's going to stumble upon it yeah basically um it's kind of hard to imagine that that could happen but it's just undeveloped which is it's lovely that we've got so many areas where we you know that's protected it's a world heritage area yeah. no one can build there but it means that there's just areas where no one's been, literally, yeah. which is pretty crazy to think. We've and, like, the bush is a bit of a bastard too. Like, it's, like, it's not, like, nice trees that you just walk yeah. between. It's like that. Like, it's, yeah. like, those just weird, like, ropey yeah. things and then, like, oh, that's Ooh. in the podcast, guys. There's a siren. If you heard that siren, yeah, don't be afraid. Don't think it's not behind you in your car. Because you. that's what everyone talked yeah. about in that whole episode was that. Um it was this season. One. Yeah. And we just didn't acknowledge it. But yes, there's a siren outside. Um, yeah, but with the bush, it's like, you know, there's just shit everywhere in mm. the bush. And it's not like, yeah, it's not like you can just walk between the trees. No. And there's like, it's like it doesn't want vines you and spin effects <laughs> that grows up from the ground. Yeah. Just everything everywhere. So it's like quite a difficult, you can't just go bushwalking wherever you no. want. No, and this is particularly like rugged, rough kind of area, the Barrington Tops. So you might recognise the name, some of you true crimey fans, Barrington Tops, because it's where Malcolm Naden, who was wanted by police for several murders in the Dubbo area, actually fled to. 
So he was a fugitive for about seven years, I think. And in the Barrington it's Top? It's believed he lived off the land oh there. Oh, my God. He was just like a weird years. hermit. Yeah. I hate it. Before he was found. Um, and I was thinking while I was writing that, imagine if he, like, stumbled upon it and he was like, oh, I'm not going to tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. I'm a prick. Fuck you all. <laughs> I know where it is, but I'm not saying. <laughs> just hoarding more than just his murder secrets. Yeah. It's just like. So he was there. It's like pretty crazy remote area there's also been nine other plane crashes there what not all fatal somehow but there have been 28 deaths between 1945 and now um but all of those other planes and bodies have been recovered right all of them um even like like there was one that was super old and someone found like a part of the plane like part of the propeller of something that crashed like in the 50s and that's like before you could just like go scouting from the sky because yeah. that's the other thing I was going to say was mm. like I'm sure people are like well why couldn't they just see this from the sky but I'm mm. assuming that like it's so dense that mm-hmm. if something crashed in there yeah you know it's just like grown back over the top of it yeah and there was something I read um where people when google maps was invented and you could do like the satellite view mm. people were like there's a plane there's a the body of a plane but it was actually a plane flying under the camera that took a photo of the earth. (laughs) So they actually went to those places and investigated, but there was nothing there because the plane was in the sky. (laughs) Actually, my sister was on Google Maps for a while because when they did whatever the photos are, Google Earth, sorry, oh, they, yeah. the photos of whatever they do. Yeah. She was like in the backyard sunbaking and she's like, that's me. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Do they blur out her face? Well, no, she's on her stomach oh, and it's right. like you can just see the towel and like <laughs> if you zoom in, it's like a pixelated little body. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so people thought they'd found it via that. And there's yeah. obviously been so many. They don't just search for it by yeah. land. They search for it by air as well. Um, and they can't see anything from above. So wherever so it is, it's knows? like it's under the trees, yeah. not kind of sitting on top of them still. But even if it was at one point, now they've probably grown over it. Yeah. Um, there's even a theory that the Cessna might have buried itself. What do you mean? So this happened to another plane in 1969. Norm Bignall, mm-hmm. a group captain in the Rural Fire Service and another member of the original search team, he spoke to the SMH which didn't have a byline. I keep quoting it. Yeah. I tried. Um, he said he was probably spiral diving, which is that death spiral yeah. we're talking about, going down at one hell of a rate, exceeding 150 knots, about 280 kilometres an hour. He could have been buried. It's happened before. So I'm quoting the actual article here. Mm. Back in 1969, Bignall recalls a RAF Mirage type of plane Developed engine problems above Berico Peak and stalled. Unable to restart the engine, the pilot ejected. He and his seat were later recovered. I'm guessing not alive. Oh, Said Bignall, for months the RAF went looking in the right area. The only thing they found, I think, was a piece of perspex. Then this old farmer eventually found some disturbed ground. The mirage had been almost completely buried. So it's How? going so fast, oh, it buried itself okay, in the ground. Right. So it just goes, it like yeah. literally nose dives into yeah. the ground and then buries itself. Because it's Jesus fast Christ. and it's heavy and it what just is goes. Dem- oh. That's like a demonic plane thing. Planes are demonic. I know. I hate them. Like that's fucked. That's yeah. like it became a sentient being and yeah, just like it just, just on purpose. So there's no sign of it. The farmer just saw like the dirt look disturbed and then there was a fucking plane in the ground. Like what Ugh. the fuck? I so there's it. thoughts that it, it could have done that. Um, and then there's obviously theories it's like in the canopy somewhere or there's a nearby dam 
that they thought, but I think they searched in there. It's not there. And of course, there's some other outlandish theories. I was waiting for this. With a mysterious case like this, where no one's seen again, yep. Harold Holt, people will start to question it. So Michael Hutchins, the pilot, he'd worked for a Sydney company that was involved in developing sonar defence systems mm-hmm. to detect Russian submarines. So this was still in like zesty Cold War times because oh that God. went until the 80s, I believe. I didn't pay attention in history, clearly. Another man named Stuart Sims was also employed as an engineer with Hutchins at this same company and he also died in a separate plane crash. Oh, my God. That's it. Before the Cessna Don't. crash. Don't. So on the 27th of December, 1980, so the Cessna was August 81. Yeah. December 1980, the Piper Tomahawk, a plane, I don't know, I'm guessing. Something. Yes, he was flying that. That's the plane. <laughs> he crashed that into Lake Macquarie, which is also in Newcastle. Yes. Same area. Yes. So some conspiracy theories theorists reckon the Russians wanted to kill them both off. Absolutely they did. Obviously the company they work for has denied any connection there. Of course they did. But that it, it That's is very spicy. spicy. That's very spicy. Maybe it's just a coincidence. It's not. It's I don't look to quote Gibbs from NCIS, I don't believe in coincidences. Neither do I. And I also love a conspiracy theory. Yeah. And that is a particularly spicy one. It That's is. terrifying. Just don't ever get involved in helping people with Cold War things. No. I just, just don't, don't think do it's a it. good idea. Don't help Russian people with anything. Well, they're not helping the Russians, are they? No. Yes. Don't help anyone do anything against don't the Russians. Don't help the Russians. Yes. Don't help the Americans. Don't help anyone. Don't ever help anyone <laughs> with anything that is covert. Yes. Because You'll that end shit. You'll summit and manned on the beach yeah. somewhere or crashed into the Barrington top. Yep. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. I um, hate it and I love it. Yeah. Like I love hate it. Some locals think the men were drug running and that the police were in on that. So then when the plane was located, the police had to hush it up because they were involved. Um, there's also similar theories involving gold. The oh, plane course. was filled with gold. What? Even just before. <laughs> just filled with gold. James. Bullion. Yeah. Like, James, just... who we work with, he was setting up the equipment. Mm. And his dad, Pete, is in the group. Yes. And his dad, Pete, put this story in the yes, group. Yes. So no, I, I said, remember that. Yeah. I said, oh, your, your dad's going to love this episode. And he said, yeah, there was a theory there was heaps of money on the plane. So it's like money, drugs, gold, guns, gun oh, running. okay. All of the, all of the above. all these theories. Just um, a big, pl- like a little plane and it's just filled yeah. to the river. I just imagine people sitting amongst like gold bullions yeah. and like Cocaine. bags of coke yeah. and like AK AK-47s. AK-47s and they're just all sitting there with like sunnies <laughs> on like just deal with it. Cash. Yeah. Have you seen this movie? It's called American Made. So Tom Cruise is this local pilot and he gets involved with like Colombian drug lords. Oh, okay. Just casually. Or maybe, yeah, I feel like it's Pablo Escobar. It's like the big cheese yeah. and they like recruit him to fly these planes like back and forth and run drugs. Oh my drugs. God, I feel like I, if it, I've either seen this or yeah. I've seen a doco about this. Yeah, because it's true. And yeah. there's this bit where he's in this tiny dinky little plane yeah. and they've packed it full of cocaine. Like mm. it's so heavy and he's like, the runway isn't long enough. I can't, I yeah. can't take it. And they're like, all oh, those people have died. There's like crosses where like oh my they're God. buried pilots who tried to do it and then immediately crashed. Oh shit. And he's like, they're like, do it. Like, they basically have a gun to his head yeah. and they're like, do it. And it's tiny little, he doesn't get enough, I don't know, I don't know, science. He doesn't get enough traction, speed, speed, Air velocity, speed, traction. I don't know. <laughs> so, and he does it. He fucking does it. Oh. Spoiler alert. Oh, that it's would have a been very, a tense like, scene too. You just yeah. spoiled like a really good scene. It's a great movie. 
Really good movie. I liked. I thought you were so. tearing up over the movie just then. No, I'm burping. <laughs> um, so yeah, there are theories that they were like Tom Cruise equivalents. Uh, that just seems a bit outlandish, unless there's yes. some sort of connection that is feasible. You can't yeah. just always say it's drugs, guys. No, you can't just you constantly can't. say it's they drugs. They're just like normal dudes. Yeah, it has to be like they were into drugs. Yes, they there were was all evidence Colombian. they dealt drugs at some time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they come from somewhere that's was got Pablo a lot of drugs. Escobar. But yeah. <laughs> The name's literally Mr. Escobar. They have a moustache <laughs> and, you know, suspicious connections accent. to Colombia, okay? If it doesn't have any of that, no, we can't say it's just They were just blokes, you know? Yeah. Um, there's also the theory, since the men in the plane have never been located, that they faked their deaths. So after it happened, I was obviously all over the media. Um, so in the ensuing days, there were people at airports, like dinky little airports all over the country, were like, yes, that plane was here. I saw it. <sighs> it was here. Just that night. Like Sherl from yeah, Gunnada. from like... Gunnada Airport was like, I saw it. I saw the Cessna. Also, I think it's a pretty common type of plane. Like, yeah, I've heard of Cessnas before. Yeah, so I don't think it was Shell it. didn't Shell say Shell was it. wrong. There was a report from Darwin where they said that they'd what? seen it. It's very far yeah. from the Hunter Valley. So just they faked the whole drama and the panic and everything and just like, chilled out Shushed off, and yeah. then went to Darwin. Which is possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, Darwin, you can't really land your plane in Darwin without anyone noticing, but you could land your plane like in the outback and no yes. one would notice. Yeah. Well, that's a theory. Of course, all the families and the guy, Peter Anforth, who's friends with Ken, he's like, that's rubbish. Yeah. And like, please shut the fuck up. He's like, I talk to Ken's widow every year and she oh. still tears up about it. So it's kind of offensive, I think, to those families to think that they were Pablo Escobar or they were faking it or... Yeah, I mean, the faking it is, again, like, it's like you'd have to have a reason that you would need to. So I can... Look, the Russian <laughs> yes, sonar shit... at least shit, that's a connection, a That's at least potentially a reason that mm. he would want to, but I can't imagine that mm. he's then going to, like, what all these people yeah. have a reason to yes. go disappear. Like All five of them. It only works when it's people like, like Harold Holt has legitimate yes. potential reasons <laughs> to want to disappear. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. in there, it's spicy because yeah. it's like, okay, there's real connections here. Yeah, but these were just blokes. Like one of them, Philip Pembroke, I read an interview with his wife that kind of fit into this mm. like episode, but I'll bring it up anyway. Um, so she was talking about, she was seven weeks pregnant. Oh. when he disappeared and she had been at Coolangatta Airport and she got delayed without knowing. Yeah. She got delayed because the plane she was going to get was actually used as part of the search for her <gasps> husband's plane. Her That's husband fucked. was one of the passengers. She didn't know. And then she got home and like he wasn't there. She was just like, mm. And then they called her and said that the plane had disappeared. Yeah. And she held out hope. That's the fuck. She thing. couldn't even join and search because she had morning sickness. Oh. She named her son Philip after his that's late sweet. dad. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. And that's the fucked thing I think that we can forget with like people that go missing is that mm. it, like the, there's no closure there. Like, no, not nothing. that to have someone be murdered or to die in an accident is mm. like still all awful. fine. It's just that like at least you know what mm. happened to them. Yes, there must be it's some tied level up of in like a box. I'm aware of what happened yeah. to this person. I, and now I just, I know I now need to move forward. Yeah. But when it's like they're missing, mm. you're always going to have that part of you that yeah. hopes that your loved one's going to come back or be found or yeah. something, I think. You and know? I think that's why they keep looking for it every year. Yeah. Like they assemble these big 
um, Philip, the son, yeah. was saying, you know, I obviously never met my dad, but he wants to bring him home and so that they can bury yeah. him and have that closure. Um, so sad that he was just a little baby. Not even yet. He Not was even just yet. like the little She probably zygote. wasn't even telling people yet. Yeah. It's so horrible. Imagine going through that at that same time. So I'm sure that every family of these guys has a similar story of thinking, holding out hope and then that hope leaving them. But I was listening to a case file today, which was about a a woman that got abducted Mm. and presumably murdered, but they've never found her body. And she's a British woman and her family actually were amazing and like started a, like a charity about to kind of regulate, um, the laws around stalking and stalkers can be punished and sent to jail for yeah. stalking because it's a hard thing to um, legalise. You, mm. you know, you can't prove if someone hasn't hurt you. It's yes. hard to yes. – we talked about that with Jordana. I was Ketsky's about to say case. just like Jordana in the spook, um, yeah. So they worked really hard for that. Her mum was made like an OBE like four times for her work. Yeah. With like making these laws and stuff and like the mum passed away and like they still haven't found the body of the mm. – daughter and it just sucks it's like I just hope I hope they find the plane and can give these families some closure yeah some closure because I think I think what's happened is the search area is probably wrong and yeah it's hard to know where it ended up because he was flying all over the place yeah absolutely um and, it's and then just, also that whole buried thing is yes, like and it's know, just the worst place to crash honestly <laughs> yeah like there's farms around there where you know if you crashed you'd be in a field you instantly, yeah. you know, know the fate of those people. It's yeah. just he cr- crashed in, like, the National Park, which is just – I wonder if they'll ever find it. Like, it's so big. I yeah. can't even begin to imagine, like, how they <laughs> narrow it down and try and find people. Um, and someone in our group, Mark, his name is, so he was – he commented on this link when it was yeah. shared and he said the Barringtons and the Wadigans, which is another – national park kind of south yeah um very dense i went to uni with a bloke whose brother was last seen on his trail bike in the wardigans or maybe it was the barringtons anyway he was never seen alive again then five or so years later his skeleton was found in his tent with his bike next to it nothing sinister or so they say it was just that no one had found the tent no one had tried to talk to whoever was in the tent so the family did get closure but it was just you can be there for five years you can be malcolm naden and not get caught. Yeah. Just, it's just so... Well, it reminds me of, you know, like Into the Wild. Yes. And you know how he like... Yeah. Well, again, another... How many botched stories am I going to tell this episode? Like a <laughs> hundred. So, you know how he like... He heads off into like yes. the Alaskan wilderness. Yes. And then he Beats finds the... that bus. Yes. And then he like sets up camp in the bus and eats mm. the bad berries. Mm-hmm. Sorry, this is totally spoiling this whole story. Spoiling and, like, and the bear dies. even eat him because he's horrible, so skinny. Yeah, and dies like mm. a horrible death. Mm-hmm. But they takes them a while to find mm. him because, again, it's that kind of like – it's just that thing about wilderness and the yeah. bush and like these big dense areas where mm. it's like if you think about it, you know, as human beings you can only cover a certain amount of land yeah. over a certain amount of time. It – can mm. be really impossible to mm. like find people even if it's all very cut and dried simple like yeah. the Cessna just crashed to say and yeah they've just got to find the plane it's mm. just that's not an easy task yeah. in a space that big and yeah I was reading one of the guys leading one of the searches said in 48 hours his team of lots of people could only cover like three square kilometers yeah, of the Barrington fuck. tops and it's like 400 square kilometers big so yeah yeah there's almost like no way 
but I hope. Yeah, I hope that they find mm. some stuff. I feel like that, you know, those kinds of like freak accident things. Yeah. Even if it was the spy related mm. bullshit, you know, it's not like the families are necessarily like aware of that. Yes. It makes someone like an evil fucking person. Yeah. Still would like the closure. And everyone suffers then. And I have to, I've got a zesty anecdote to tell that I didn't want to tell oh, at the yeah. start because I didn't want to spoil <laughs> what happened to the plane. But, um, so my plane was delayed on the way back from Hawaii and yep. I'm like, oh, I've got a couple of hours to kill. Oh, I might research my case. Mm-hmm. And my friend Bree was like, yeah, cool. I'll just like read a book. So I'm there, I'm tapping away. I got like two pages done. I'm like, great, good start. Get on the plane. I'm sitting there. I'm anxious. There's like mild turbulence and suddenly it hits me. I've been researching a fucking yes. plane crash <laughs> before I get on a plane. I was about to say, and what I was the like, fuck were you doing? What am I thinking? And I started freaking out. I'm like, have I jinxed it? Have I put that into the universe? <gasps> and then I went to turn to tell Brie, like, oh my God, guess what I just did? And I'm like, no, I don't want to say it. I don't want to put that into the universe. Yeah. I don't want to say it to her out loud. So I just like sat there and I was just cursing myself, like, you fucking idiot. And then when we landed, like as soon as we landed and we were fine, I was like, Brie, guess what? <laughs> guess what I was researching? Like just before we got on a plane. Yeah. A plane crash. He goes, you're a fucking idiot. Um, yes, so that's the VHMDX. Wow. Still hasn't been found. The missing plane in the Barrington Tops. So if you're hiking in the Barrington Tops, yeah, and keep you find it, <laughs> let keep us know. Yeah. Don't tell the police. Just don't, come to the group. Don't tell and the police. Say, hey, I just tripped over a propeller. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just send us a photo. Yeah, first, and then, then tell, tell the authorities. The no, but actually, tell yeah, the actually go the other way around. If you know anyone that knows anyone that was on the plane, yeah, I think James or anyone was in talking the about said that he worked with a girl who's uncle was in the plane whoa yeah so you might know people you might know people that have searched yeah you might know other grim stories about people that went missing and then were found in tents yes share it tell Tell us your stories about the barrington tops or other dense areas there's heaps of them in australia little planes little planes even if it's just a story about you being scared about turbulence like not just that that's a bit too broad like i just at least four times the plane had a little bit of a little skits out yes like have you ever been on a plane and the fucking oxygen mask has come down no because that is my worst fear just probably die on the spot you would but if you guys have been in a plane where that's happened tell us in the group because i want to know and freak out yeah you know let's let's all encourage this week because i'm flying to melbourne on friday morning maybe not this week (laughs) (laughs) even on like one minute flights put like like a trigger warning for josie about planes yeah so so trigger warning josie don't read until after you're back from melbourne yeah um but yeah that's it bye bye